Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt on Twitter. On Twitter, Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Uh, it's uh, So, like, once you get to the fourth, you know, that's obviously the big center, you know, middle of the summer event. Um I had a vacation wrapped around it, so it made it even a bigger deal. Um, I've actually got a fun weekend coming up with a bunch of my ex-Hawkeye teammates that nice. I'm looking forward to. We're going to golf and have a couple of brewskis. Um, completely different side note, i got a big project I have to do for work. So I've still got, personally, some of these things to hit. It's going to spill over into late July, but I'm going to tell you, once it gets late July and definitely August, dude, it's... It's going to feel like it's 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 football season. It's crazy that, you know, we try to come up with fun topics in the off season. Before you know it, off season's over. And I just swear it's faster. This this because of, I don't know, Rona somehow. But I, it, I can't it has really because yeah. the dates really aren't that far. No, off. Or maybe it's just the pure anticipation of what we believe to be a, a pretty normal football season with yeah. people in the stands. And just that anticipation just brings it in that much more. I don't know. I can't put my finger around it. I know we've kind of talked about it before. I just can't wait. So I think what you're getting at is we've got a lot of work to do in a little so, bit of time. Um, we are not going to be able to exactly give you the dates on how this is going to go. We're just going to puke out what the schedule is. Um, and you guys are just going to have to be patient with us because we might release a podcast on a Monday. It could be a Wednesday, a Saturday, who knows. But long story short, we've got seven podcasts to do in five weeks. And then the the first preview podcast that yeah. we'll do for Nebraska and Illinois will be released by August 26th with the game being that weekend. So that's eight casts. Correct. Total. Before, the, before week zero. I think it's seven casts and then week zero, which would make it Well, eight. but that's eight. Eight, correct. Yeah. yeah. So. so it'll be coming fast and furious. And then we will get into our regular cadence of releasing on Sundays, releasing probably Wednesday or Thursday because we're going to be into the regular season. Yeah. We're, we're going to get there. Uh, nice usage of the word cadence, too, by the way. It's one of my favorite words. Great one. To use. Um, including in. On, on these podcasts that we're talking about is a interview with Brett Ciancia with pick six previews, yep. which we're very proud to bring. I mean, that's a, that's a Heisman voter right there. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes, sir. That's a big deal. Um, so that well, is we're awesome. kind of a big deal. We're get we, we are reminiscent of a big deal. Yes. Um, and then uh, for the podcast themselves, uh, we're going to keep the same format, which is a three, 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 two, podcast which means three teams to a pod and then the champs uh which again is northwestern and uh ohio state will have <laughs> will have their own two-team podcast standalone because that's what the champs deserve they yeah. get a little bit of extra runtime yeah they earned it yep um so that's how it'll be that's that's yeah. what it is um we will conclude our our last for the fans by the fans interviews um Proud to bring. Yeah, who we got? Two, who we got this this episode? Who we got here is I would say two of the top sixteen or seventeen guys that I've ever met. Okay, <laughs> okay, all right. Jokes, jokes, way higher than that. Um, my middle brother, 
a.k.a. Darren the American. Uh, we've already had Doug the Carthaginian on. Um, I was happy that Darren could join us. Um, he did an excellent job uh, answering the questions. A little bit of audio issue, I want to give that. Okay. Free warning. I'm glad I remembered to say that. You can hear him just fine. There was a little delay. It was weird. First hmm. time I've run into that. So sometimes after I ask the question, if there's a bit of a pause, just stick with it. He'll okay. kick in after that. Uh, and then he turned the tables on me and asked me some questions. So we went a little bit long with that so one. I hope like he's an aspiring podcaster here, maybe. I tell you what, he could do it. He did a great job with this. And I think he would be very good at coming up with fun topics and whatnot. Um, and then for the Illinois. Yeah, who uh, we got there? We, we got Big Kurt that's going to do Oh, that. I've heard of that guy, yeah. Vicker just couldn't he couldn't triangulate with another Illini fan to his Well, I gotta say, I'm I'm a little disappointed with Illini Nation right now. I, I reached out to a number of Illini fans and none of them took me up on the offer. So I said, fine, I'll do it. I mean, I think I can I can come to a conclusion on why it was so hard. Why is that? If if you watched MJ shoot jumpers, would you wanna go I mean Right. You're, that you're, must be it. They they don't want to get compared no. to you. Right. So they just are like it's like following know. Sinatra. <laughs> don't don't be the guy that follows the guy. Be the guy that follows the guy. Yes. Follows the guy. I mean that's that's the trick. Yeah. There's a Seinfeld reference in there too about him bombing the uh okay. you know uh the Banyan so before Banyan comes on. Right. right with with the suspenders, doesn't he have suspenders yeah. on or something? I guess like that's that. a little uh, bit opposite. Yeah. But anyways, um you guys are gonna both love these interviews. I mean, it's obviously two people I'm really comfortable with. Pre apology that I went a little long, but I, I don't know. It's it's our podcast, so I guess we can do that every now and then. Do you like Martin Short? Uh, you know the no Martin Short, Marty yeah. Short. Yeah, um, three amigos, dude. Yeah, go ahead. yeah, yep. He has this story about following Tony Bennett, <laughs> and he was he was singing. This, he was really early in his career, I guess. Maybe he's kind of a singer too. Really, and he tells, tells a story about following Tony Bennett, <laughs> and he totally freezes because he's he's just so nervous. Like, how can you possibly follow Tony Bennett? <laughs> yeah, and then. Uh, afterwards he's in the restroom and Tony Bennett comes in the restroom and goes, you bomb good kid. You bomb good. <laughs> That's a good story. I thought he was going to have some like words of wisdom for him. No, you bomb good kid. Hey man, take your lumps, learn from it and move on. Such a funny story. And then him, him telling it of course is 10 times as funny. Love I was me. confused there for a second because Steve Martin, I think so, I mentioned yeah. that, almost we thought he was going to perform at the uh, concert mm. thing I went to in Big Sky. Yeah. Um, I think he's got a place. That's that's the type of people that have places near Big Sky. Wow. Is people like Steve Martin, but he he did because apparently he's like a bluesy guy and his guy or something. Well, like bluegrass that. is what he is. It's bluegrass. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's with got the, the banjo. The banjo. He's stuff. a great banjo player. You ever you ever seen the uh, song uh, King Tut? Oh yeah, that's of that. course. That's a great song, man. I mean, I remember listening. That was a little, little kid. I remember listening to that. I'm not that old, folks, but I had older siblings that, you know, were eight years older than me. So they were somewhat coming of age when Saturday Night Live was brand new. So, like, I got to experience Saturday Night Live from the get-go, even though I was, you know, uh, it was into the 80s by the time I ever started watching Saturday Night Live. the, The original... Not for ready for primetime player stuff. Oh my god, that that, that Saturday Night Live was was the best. Yeah, which, which Steve Martin was a guest on yeah. quite a bit. But yeah. anyways, and Marty so. Short and Steve Martin, Marty they're Short. big. They're big, you know, duo. Yeah. Duo. Yeah. Okay. Boy, sometimes I don't know where we go with this stuff, but anyways. Um, okay, so without further ado, 
we will bring you to the Eyes on Big for the fans by the fans interview with Big Kurt. All right, I'm pleased to be joined by Illini Nation's Big Kurt. Uh, if you don't follow Big Kurt on Twitter, he is B1GKURT. It's a joke, right? I do that for everybody. So, hey, thanks for joining the Eyes on Big podcast, Kurt. Well, someone has to represent Illini Nation. So I like guess I said, it's going to be me. Can't can't think of anybody better. And in all honesty, I'm sure I'll probably learn a thing or two here. So we'll get right into it, right? I mean, I think we pretty much know who you are. Um, I have gathered from a little bit of it, of time around your family, talking to your family. Um, they're not the biggest Illinois athletic fans. Uh-uh. How did you become a big Illinois athletic fan? Okay, so it is a little bit of a, of a, I guess, unique origin story for myself. All right, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, so we got all the Chicago media, newspapers, you know, the um, news, et cetera. And I can remember... So it had to be 1983. It had to be, okay? Because Illinois won the Big Ten in 1983. Um, and I saw Illinois on the, the, the evening news, right? And I, I think, I, this is vague memory, but I think I really like their uniforms too. Okay. And so I says to my dad, who's that team right there? And he says, that's the University of Illinois. And he goes, you were born in Illinois. Boom. That's all I needed. How old, they, how old do you think you were? At the I would time? have been eight. Okay. Eight years old. So they were about. They were going on their Big Ten championship season, would go to the Rose Bowl. So they're on TV all the time. And my dad said that you're from Illinois. So yeah. that, and I, that's all I needed. That's my team. Nobody from my family was Illinois fans. Not, so not even your old man who at least knew enough to say that's, that's the ho- your home state's team. He, he, he did not pick up any Illini Zero. blood along the way. He He's a Badger fan. He grew up in Wisconsin, so he's a Wisconsin oh, fan. Right. Yeah. And we were growing up in Indiana, so my brother was an Indiana fan, and I was an Illinois fan. Wow. You guys, I, nobody ste- you guys are a melting pot of fans. Just totally. Your own family. We got a little bit of that going on in my family, too. But so. nobody steered me in the direction. I did it on my own. That should make you proud. It does make me proud. That's unique. A little bit. Which kind of goes along with my personality. I've always been like an independent person. Yeah. Chappie's got a little bit of that for picking his team. Um, uh, uh, Michigan State, Dougie Tutter. You know, like, honestly, doing these interviews, I've been pleasantly surprised. Like, I just assumed everybody would have an origin somewhat similar to mine where you just kind of, you've been a insert team fan since a kid, but a lot of people figured out their own way. And the first game I can distinctly remember sitting and watching was the Rose Bowl. So January 2, 1984, Illinois would play an unranked UCLA team with a former walk-on at quarterback named Rick Neuheisel, Neuheisel. and would get their butts kicked. And I think Illinois was ranked fourth in the country at that point Oof. and lost to an unranked 6-4-1 UCLA team. But I bet there are some younger listeners right now that are saying, Illinois was ranked fourth, and, you know. Here's a little fun fact about that Illinois team. Did you know this? It's the only Big Ten football team in the history of the Big Ten to defeat every other Big Ten team in the same year, in the same season. Yeah, Really? Because they didn't play. Like, that was a there was a short amount of time when they did a full round-robin schedule, and Illinois was the only one to make it through. They probably only did it for, like, 10 years or 12 years, something like that. And they were the only ones that went undefeated. That went undefeated, that beat every other team. I did not know that. And so that'll that's never a, be equaled. That, that is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, because you'll never play every team no. unless there's some kind of funky realignment. Uh, you mentioned earlier, um, 
growing up in you know northern indiana uh you got a lot of the chicago stations mm-hmm. which for sure would have been wgn so did, why did that not turn you into a Cubs fan, or did it spawn the hatred for Cubs? No, I, there's an easy. This is an easy one. So I was kind of steered in the direction of the White Sox by my dad for okay. a couple reasons. First of all, we were a much shorter drive to Comiskey Park than to Wrigley Field. It would have added like another half hour to go to Wrigley Field. So it's probably like a 45 to one hour trip, 45 minute to one hour trip from where we lived in Indiana to Comiskey Park. And so he just took us. So that was one reason. The other reason is, you know, he didn't want us to be a Cubs fan because we, they're yuppies. That makes you don't sense. want to be a yuppie, do you? That makes sense. And I'm, no, I don't want to be a no yuppie. I don't know what yuppie means, but <laughs> yeah. if that's what my dad says, I'm not, I'm not a yuppie. Okay, that's good. Um, Plus, it was a lot more dangerous to Comiskey. You know, you, I was just you, you say, never knew if you were going to make you, it out alive. <laughs> part, of the, part of the charm, right? I was just going to say, if like I had a chance, if I had a choice between parking my car in a spot that's uh, closer, but an 80% chance that I get stabbed as compared to a, a parking spot that's further away but is nicer. I'd probably choose the further away one, but yeah. you know, to each and all. We like to live dangerously. <laughs> all right. I'm also, I don't even know the answer to this. We've, we've been podcasting for three years. You're one of my best friends. What is your number one memory of being an Illini football fan? Yeah, so it's hard to come up with one. I know when you the listener listening, how, how can it be hard to come up with? There's got to be, you know, like, okay, Big Ten Championship 2001. That sticks out. But it was kind of weird the way that Illinois won that because it they played on Thursday. They played on Thanksgiving. And then two days later, Michigan played Ohio State. So we beat Northwestern, but that was only to get a share of the title, and we had lost head-to-head to Michigan. So it was, the assumption was we weren't going to win the Big Ten. Well, then Michigan – blows it against Ohio State. State. So we backed right. into the so at the time I was at the game. You, you didn't have the we did it. Right. Moment. I didn't have the we did it moment. Um obviously eighty three, but I was so young. This is gonna be weird and this is not going to be a popular take for Illinois fans, but the nineteen ninety nine season, okay, that is probably my favorite Illinois football season. And here's why. Growing up, Illinois, even if they didn't have a good year, were always competitive. They could hang with anybody in the country, right? It was a proud program. Then I go to school there and I watch in real time the the football program fall apart in front of my eyes, right? And it, I I know looking back, it seemed like it was decades that we were so horrible. It was literally three years, 96, 7, and 8. And then all of a sudden we were good again in 99. It was not only good, but like trajectory pointed up still. So that year we won at the big house, came back from down about 20 points in the fourth quarter, and won at the horseshoe in the same year. The big house and the shoe, and won forty six to twenty in the shoe, and that was that might that right there might be my favorite game, the forty six to twenty beatdown of the Buckeyes in the horseshoe. Yeah, I mean, uh, with Darren the American, I mean, he his favorite uh, times were talking about tailgating, which was awesome, and then also his whole favorite season was Iowa's two thousand eight season. That's not even close to being considered, but it was a surprise season that was fun to watch. It's kind of what you're saying here. I mean, sometimes that is the best seasons in yeah. football when you're not expecting it and they wind up being good. Yeah, because we're kind of playing with house money. We weren't supposed to be very good. And then, you know, Kittner just really came onto the scene. Brandon Lloyd came onto the scene. And it's like, we got two more years with both of these guys. This is going to be fun. Yeah. So it was just like, it was the beginning to that buildup of something great. And they, you know, eventually won the Big Ten. God, who is, I'm, I, I'm embarrassed I got to ask this question. I just, I was, who, is the, who is the line night coach? Is it? 
uh, uh, Turner, Ron Turner. So he had been the offensive coordinator at the Bears. And and Turner, to be honest with you, his first five years were very good. And then his last three were very bad. Yeah. Yeah. So bad. But even then, I'd like to point out that's not ancient history. I mean, those – and not only were those – productive Illinois teams with wins and losses. Look at some of the dudes that were on the roster. I mean, there was, there was talented dudes. Oh, dude. I mean, uh, Kittner, but then the, the top four wide receivers on that team all went to the pros That's all four, well. and yeah. almost the entire offensive line went pro tight end went pro. Um, not as much talent on defense, but offensively just loaded. And, you know, I know the game has evolved. Um, Certainly teams playing now that would play like a team from the seventies. I I feel like they would run circles around them, you know, but those Illinois teams in like late nineties, early two thousands, they're better than the Illinois. They would have, they would beat the breaks off most of the Illinois teams that we've watched for the last five or six years. No doubt. I I just, I don't care how much the games evolved. Those were more talented teams. They were. Yes. I mean, a lot more talented. Yeah. I don't know. I just always sit there and wonder like if we could quiz most big 10 fans under the age of 32. Like, I don't know if they have much memory or knowledge. Oh no. That Illinois used to be a really good football yeah. program. Yeah. No, I'm sure they don't. I just want, I'm not pointing it out to review. I'm pointing it out. I get to, it. Okay. I'm not trying to be a jerk with it, but maybe this leads into <laughs> the next question. Because since I was just a jerk just now, what do national podcasters, you know, sports writers, whatnot, what do they get wrong or, or just what annoys you the most when they cover Illinois? Yeah, I mean, it's just the constant negativity, I guess. But the one thing that I've mentioned on the podcast before that I I don't know if I verbalized it exactly well, like if I really got my feelings out there, but they, it's always this this thing, well, Illinois has no fans. It's just not true because I've been there. I've done it. I've seen it personally. Like, I've, you know, when I was a kid and I'd go to games, it was always sold out. When I was in college, sold out, you know, and then they were terrible for a few years. But as soon as they got were competitive again, boom, sellouts. I mean, just rabid crowds at Memorial Stadium. They're, they're there. I mean, your team, if you were bad for 30 years, probably wouldn't have Probably wouldn't, not thirty, but too long. That's pretty. I mean, okay. Well, we just talked about ninety, late nineties, early two thousand. So ninety six is the and then beginning. they had a they had a, a big pump up in two thousand eight, two thousand seven. They went yeah, to the right. Rose Bowl. I mean, again. I'm just saying they're they've had a couple spikes and then mostly crap. Down. Yeah, night. when it's down, it's down. Oh. They're they're, they're uh, uh, like you know how you can follow the wins meter on the Winsopedia. It looks like an EKG thing. Yes, it on, does for Illinois. Um, and but then, then just the negativity in jet, like just yeah, it, it, you can't mention Illinois football without bashing them in something. It's like okay, yeah, how how many times are you gonna have say this joke? Like it, it yeah, at least come up with a different spin on yes. the same yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, this it just uh, this is what I thought of as you were talking, but like I know Champagne is not in Chicago, okay, but almost everybody that lives in Illinois or near Champaign is probably a bears fan, bulls mm-hmm. fan, Cubs, white Sox, whatever. Um, long story short is what we hear in Minnesota a lot is, well, there's just so many things to do. Illinois football could fall prey to that just as well. Do you, well, sure. Do you think there's maybe some comparisons there that can be made? Oh, there's definitely comparisons with, with Minnesota and university of Minnesota and, and Minneapolis and then university of Illinois and Chicago. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're both pro towns. Um, they, both universities fall way down the list of of, of top interests. It, it's just so you're just more prone to th- when you have lulls in success, 
you're going to have lulls in people showing up at the sporting events. Yeah, right. Uh, you're just more susceptible and, and, to that. And for the most part, you do have to travel from Chicago. Most most you know alumni move back up to Chicago for the right. most part. So you have to travel from Chicago to go down to the game. It's not right in your backyard, you know. Was it like two hours? Yeah, it's about two hours. Okay. Um, maybe three if the, if you don't time the traffic well. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, but at the same time, I don't think, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you have too much issues packing the basketball, uh, no. arena, even when they're not great. Yeah. They can be pretty me- mediocre and still pack the basketball stadium. Yeah. I think I have this sense that even when Illini basketball is down, uh, Illinois fans still think it'll come back pretty quick. Like it only takes a player or two and they're closer. Yeah. Whereas I feel like there's more despair or has been in the past with Illinois fans regarding the football program. Well, sure. I mean, it's warranted. Yeah. That there's just hasn't been a lot of success, but, uh, this will be a perfect segue though. Um, now beetle comes to town, Bert, what do you call him? I call him beat beat. There's excitement around the program, yeah. certainly that we haven't felt since me and you have been recording okay. the podcast. Well, I mean, you know, when Lovey started, there was excitement there. I mean, his first first Power Five team that he played was North Carolina, and they packed the stadium. Like people were excited. Okay, there's some energy here, and so we're seeing that now with Beat. Now, didn't really see that with Beckman, but then if you go, um, Zook had it had things rock and rolling. People were excited. People were packing the stadium. Turner already mentioned same thing. So Illini fans do get our hopes up and then we show up, but then we always seem to get let down, you know? I mean, you, you, you need to see it. You're going to, you're going to want to see the success on the field. I mean that the, the, the honeymoon phase only lasts so long. So, I mean, I don't think that's germane just to Illinois fans. Um, It will be interesting to me to say, I think Vegas has, um, Illinois going somewhere around four and eight. Okay. Yeah, three just, and a half, I think, is the over. Okay. Right so let's now. say four and eight. Okay. Yep. Uh when it gets to be the three and seven air part of the year, it'll be interesting to see how many people are in Memorial Stadium. That will be interesting. Because yeah. that kinda is what you would expect out of a first year coach. Yeah. Doesn't mean the second year and third year are gonna be bad. Will enough Illinois fans sit in the stands and say, Hey, I was there? I, I That I, is a good point. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I was there. When we went 0 and 11 in 1997, I Ooh. sat there and I waited till the end of the game. I Good went to you. six. No, wait. I went to eight games that year. Eight of the 11 losses I was at. Because you know the only thing worse than sitting in a crowd of for a team that goes 0 and 11 is sitting in a crowd for a team that goes 0 and 11 when it's cold outside. Yeah, it wasn't that cold. Was but, it? But okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Here's a quick story. The first game of that season, 1997. I can't remember. Louisville, maybe they played Louisville. Louisville. I got fired from from my job because I told my boss, "I'm like, you put just me in the, a, just a some oh, just some job. dumb yeah, yeah." I was a bouncer at a okay. bar. Uh, <laughs> I told him, "I'm like, you can have me on the schedule for the Saturday. I'm not going to be here." Yeah, and he goes, "So you have to be here." I said, "But I'm not going to be. I'm going to be at the game." <laughs> He's like, "You better come here, or you're going to get fired." I said, "Well, you're going to have to fire me because I'm telling you, I'm not going to be there." And so I worked the whole week because yeah. I wanted money, you yeah. know, and then I didn't show up Saturday and so he fired he, me. He, 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 you guys had a standoff and he thought you would show. Yeah. He thought I would show. The arrogance. Yeah. You told him what you're going to do. I told him exactly what I was going to do. Ever since I've known you, you're the type of person to say what you're going to do and then you do it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's good to know that you were that way back then. So, yeah. So that folds into, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more on Illinois again, but 
we'll we'll just be more abstract, right? We'll get deeper into it in the Illinois podcast. Yeah. Is that fair? Um, what excites you the most coming into the year? Well, okay. I say what excites me the most is just the new schemes, like watching the new schemes on both sides of the ball. Because you know, it's just okay. Admittedly, I have to set the bar low for my my fun level with Illinois football. So it's just going to be like, it's not that I think one scheme is better than the other. I want to watch one scheme. It's just different, right? Watching a three, four versus a four, three, it's going to yeah. look totally different. Watching yeah. a power run game versus more of a finesse spread run game, watching more of a controlled, uh, like, well, not control, but like more downfield passing to offset the, you know, to get them to stop stack in the box. It's yeah. just going to be, it'll just be fun watching something different. Um, so I guess for me, I, feel like I know what Beetle wants the offense to look like. It's going to look Wisconsin similar. I can't imagine he's going to deviate. So to me, 27 tight ends on the roster. Yeah. um, And linebackers. Um, So that to me, I'm not, I guess I don't find that as intriguing as how good is Illinois going to look doing it? Because there's a difference, right? Well, I guess, and this is where I maybe I'm getting my expectations up. I'm hoping just to see a much better coached team. Uh, you're looking for a Rucker Shiano effect. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect that much of a bump, but I just want to see like but a could, discipline. It could, it, could, it could happen. Let's not get crazy here, okay? Let's. <laughs> I, I, who's better coach, Beetle or Lovey? A beat. So who do you think will look? Why would you not expect them to look better? Be, okay, because it's it's okay. Week zero. It's the first game ever, and they're playing a Big Ten a Big Ten yeah. So I, how good can you look? I don't know. But, I, I mean, I would love to see them come out and have, like, three penalties, you know, and don't and, turn and, the ball over. And potentially actually figure out a, a, a couple new ways to defend a mobile quarterback? Well, that, that'd be another one. But, like, how about guys lining up in the right place? How about guys following their assignments? Like, that would be awesome to see. I would love that. Yeah. Now, yeah. here's another thing that kind of excites me is how much returning production there is, but that's the same with everyone. And I, I saw the, I think it was the Bill uh, Connolly. Not everyone. Well, not everyone, but okay. I saw the Bill Connolly list of, of highest returning production, and I figured, oh, Illinois has got to be top 10. No, they were like 40th in the country. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I understand what you're saying there. Because but... there's 18 super seniors on scholarship that are returning. That's a lot. That's a lot. I, yeah. fi- I just figured we'd be a little higher on that pecking order. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, you know, uh, high and low tides, raise and lower all boats type of thing with that. But, I mean, there's a couple teams just even in the own division, in the Big oh, Ten West, that are a little bit lower on the production. Yeah. Uh, I might even cheer for one of them. So, um, yeah, that's all good stuff, all things that are interesting. Other side, what concerned you? So, if you're talking specific concerns, like the depth in the defensive backfield scares the absolute crap out of me. Depth comma and the defensive backfield depth in the defensive backfield we if we have like honestly one of our corners gets injured it could get ugly pretty quick okay um i mean we're talking true freshmen okay might see the field what happened what happened well we moved some guys the offense that was part of it so i mean that's that's like beatles maybe beatles just saying you know what if we win six games that would be great either way we're gonna we're gonna have some fun so if we lose games 48 to 45, yeah. at least we're, lo- at least we're you know, it'll keep butts in the stands. So the other thing that scares me, though, is just the overall lack of like difference makers. Just, you know, just not a great roster. Let's be honest. Uh, you, who who? OK, let's take an, for an example, uh, running back uh, Chase Brown, right? 
good player, right? Solid player. Trust him. Yep. Excited about him. But does he really scare a defensive coordinator? Like, is he like a home run threat? He's not a schemer. No. So, and we don't have that guy on either side of the ball. It's interesting. I mean, I guess Jake Hansen. He's pretty, he's, he's a pretty good one on defense. Yeah. On deep, but maybe not at a position. Right. Yes. Yeah. Not like defensive end. I mean, probably, probably Josh or Bebe was the guy because he just was so big and had such good body control. So, yeah. But 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 here's one. You're you're leaving one guy out though. That could be. Isaiah, you're talking about yeah. So Isaiah, all 2.0. all accounts are he's doing really well as he converted to wide receiver. So that maybe that's the guy. Maybe he is the guy that you have to scheme for. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. But uh, reports are he's doing great. He looks okay. great at, at wide receiver. I am excited to see Brandon Peters in a offense that fits fits him. him. Yes, way better. I mean, I've been very appreciative of having him, but he it just wasn't the right offense for him the previous couple of years. I'm a Brandon Peters fan. Um, you know, I can only uh, cheer for him to have so much success, seeing as how my team is in the division. But I would like to see him be successful in some capacity. Um, he flicks the ball pretty well. He, so, he does. He makes I, I some mean, pro throws. He 100% makes some pro throws. Um, I mean – you you could make an argument that there's a potential that he's the he could be the second best quarterback in the Big Ten West this year. I mean, I hmm. gotta give it to Tanner Morgan for for number one. But we'll see. Long story short, there is a a there is a dearth of reliable quarterback play after Tanner Morgan. Who knows? Maybe Brandon Peters yeah. is somebody that 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 you know jumps up in there. Maybe really takes off just with 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 this game. I mean, there's a lot of pressure off of him, right? Yeah. Let, they're going to be running the ball a lot. Seems like it. And then he's just got to be reliable enough to to take some pressure off the run game. Okay. Um, then, you know, I'm not putting the screws to anybody, but as we sit here in the middle of July, what's your prediction for what, what it's going to look like? So we talked about the Vegas line, three and a half. I think it's that's a pretty good place to put it. I think I would go with four and eight. I could see them. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to think they could get to a bowl game. Absolutely. Um, but six then, and six, you're saying. I mean, you got my prediction. I think is going to be four and eight. Okay. Just because it's it's new schemes. It's it, we didn't recruit to those schemes. They're still learning. New coaching staff. I mean, how good can you be? Year one. Uh, now we're playing Charlotte. Garbage team should win that one. UTSA, pretty good team, but I I expect to win there. And then I I see them getting a couple Big Ten wins. Yeah, I do. Yeah, too. So that's four. I think at least four. I, I'm going to say minimum four. Um, and that's where that first game is so huge yeah. because um, if Illinois won, I mean, I saw it today. It's right around a touchdown, a little bit more. I think it was like eight and a half. Eight and a half, saw, yeah. yeah. Which is surprising. I didn't think it'd be that high. Yeah, I thought it'd be right around touchdown. Okay. I mean, it's a point, point and a half high for me. Um, but it's, you know, obviously we have seven and eight and even 10 point spread teams win outright sure. pretty often in college football. So I'm just saying it's not crazy to think Illinois would win that game. If Illinois won that game and then won a couple of the patsies, suddenly that three and a half is going to look very attainable for the over. It's a big game for both teams coming into that, that for sure. There's no doubt. And think about about the, just think about the momentum, less pressure on Illinois, way less pressure, which sometimes maybe doesn't help you. Maybe that helps Nebraska because you know, they, they have even more pressure on them. So you have more focus. I don't know. It's just an intriguing game. That's oh, all there is to it. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's gonna be here before we know it. So, um, let me put let me put it this way: uh, like if there was like a sliding scale, and as you move down in wins and up, 
and 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 Kurt's face went from melancholy to sad to like depressed and then moved back the other way where you're like elated. Um, four and eight, you'd be. Huh, yeah, that's okay. what I expect. Expect. Yeah. Uh, whatever. What would be the? I I'm I'm really kind of back to being <laughs> a miserable Illinois fan and and wanting to tear my house apart. I mean, if we, I think it would be really bad to only win two games okay if all they won was utsa and charlotte that'd be pretty embarrassing okay so they're, they're better than that you need to get to three wins for you to still feel good about the yeah. regime going forward i need those two and i need a big 10 win at least okay yeah um six wins you would definitely be happy oh yeah like how happy <laughs> i mean i i think that would be a, just a that would be a great indicator that that beats gonna do a good job I mean, you're literally enjoying half your Saturdays right there. That's good. Yeah. That's and I mean, thing. there's certain games that you're just not going to win. Let's be honest. So that means the games that you do have a chance of winning, you're winning more than half of them. But probably in your mind when you said, listen, there's games you're not going to win, you probably pictured Wisconsin and True. You just beat them two years yeah. ago. So, That's a good point. I mean, it, everything, anything's possible yeah. type of deal. But how about eight and four? Oh, I mean, I, so that would be like, that'd be my 1999 all over again. They okay. were eight and four in 1999. Okay. So kind of what we talked about before, like the unexpected year yeah. where they're good. Right. Yeah. And knowing that this is just the start, you know, there's only, there's only going to yeah. be better things to come. If I could sign up for an eight and four Illini team with Iowa being one of the four losses, man, I would sign up for that right now. All right. For you. Let's, if I could. let's I, sign I, it up. I do not yield that power, but if I did, that's what I would do. All right. You got anything else? Go Illini. This has been big Kurt. You have a podcast before, man. You did a good job. Well, thanks. It. Does yeah. it seem like I've done this before? You felt you felt comfortable. Congratulations. It, it was Look comfortable. Into it. Look into it. All right. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We will talk to you soon. All right. We are now joined on the podcast by Darren the American. Um, I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm not Greek. We've already had Doug the Carthaginian on. Not Carthaginian. Uh the, the actual nationality of the family still remains a secret, but you're the closest as you really are an American. Yes, I am born and raised in Iowa. Um, we, we, I didn't know that we were that such top secret. We could not give away our nationality. We, we could. I don't care. All right. We're German. I know we're, that's the uh, eyes on big fans, but yes, we are a German family. We are extremely German, um, but uh, yeah, so there, I mean, the, a little bit of the onion gets peeled a little bit more uh, on, on, on me and, and my podcast partner as we go. So, all right. So obviously we've had Doug on before. Um, it kind of always just coincided with him having work in town when we were recording. It's good to have you on, brother. Um, I, I'm excited to hear what you say. I, I don't know what you're going to say really any more than uh, the other guys we interview. So you care if we just get right into it? All right. Uh, so first question. Okay. I maybe know some of the parts of this answer, but how'd you become a Hawkeye football fan? And what is one of your best memories being a Hawkeye football fan? Well, I'll start with uh, the best memory. And for me, you know, I've always had a affinity for the 2008 Iowa football team. I always felt like they, at the end of the year, were playing as good as any Iowa football team. Probably only the O2 teams got, uh, you know, can hold a candle to the 08 team, at least in, in my estimation, in terms of like how they were playing at the end of the year. So you could just see like the momentum building that year. And then you get down towards the, I think it was the second to last game of the year. 
we're playing number two ranked Penn State, and it's just it's a cold day. I don't know if you remember that how how cold it was that day, but it's one of those games where that you had people that even though it was a great game, um, the, remember those. Um, we'll just uh, keep it G rated for the podcast, but those uh, people, the less than desirables that sat in front of us, they left. I remember at the end of the third quarter when Iowa was down 23 to 14. So Iowa, um, I forget how they scored their touchdown, but we get it to 23, 21. And then right in front of us, DJK Darrell Johnson, Culianos catches a, a pass to give us a first down. And we're, we can tell we're in field goal position and there was a timeout. And so we're down 23 to 21. And I think there was like three or four seconds left at that point in time. And it was just like the pre-party in Kinnick. We were having so much fun. And then, you know, we're, we're sitting there thinking, let's hope we make this field goal. <laughs> and so come in, kicks a field goal. We win 24-23. Pandemonium in Kinnick. Uh, people are running down on the, on the field. And so what I just remember leaving Kinnick stadium that, that day going, this is like why we are fans. Cause this is, this is fun. Um, and that was, that was such a, a huge game just in the, in the Ferentz regime because the 06 and 07 seasons coming off the, the 2003, 2004, 2005 seasons, which were awesome seasons. 06 and 07 were downers. And then you hit 08 and it was kind of a, a make or break year for, for Ferentz at that point in time. And then that was the game that, that really capped that season and, and kind of got and kind of pushed them into 2009. So that's, if you'd point it down to one singular game, that would be the game that I would say is like my, my best uh, memory of, of being a Hawkeye fan. But even beyond that, you know, it's just, can I, can I interject real quick too? Um, the other thing too is, I mean, it doesn't hurt to finish up with 55 donut, against Minnesota at the end of the year that definitely added to the fun of 08 um and then it was the style of play I mean Sean Green and that offensive line was just mauling people you always knew we were going to get uh uh first downs running the ball and then obviously just playing kind of the standard deep I just feel like the style of the play of the 08 team added into what you're talking about and that's why we love that team because I think at one point in time they were three and three and I remember you and I talking we're like I feel like we're good. Like we're only three and three, but I feel like we're good. And then the season continued on. And then like we said, that Penn state game happened. And then, yeah, until you said that I, I wasn't putting two and two together, that that was a 55 to zero game up in Minnesota, which come to think of it, <laughs> maybe that's my best memory. <laughs> so I remember, uh, at one point in time, the Hawks scored one of their touchdowns. We're talking about the 55-0 game now. The Hawks scored one of their touchdowns, and um, I forget if you were in front of us or behind us. I don't know, but there was beer spilled. And I turn around, and I, I see my my brother-in-law, and he's just got a face full of beer to the point that he's literally got beer dripping off his eyebrows. So that's too. So that was that was a lot of fun. You know, come to think of it, and then. I remember watching the bowl game when we beat South Carolina 31-0. We were at, well, we better not say his, his name, but uh, nope. we're at our, I think you were there. Were you oh, there? Yeah. That? Oh, yeah, I was there. So, yeah, we watched that in, in his basement. And so, yeah, that come to think of it, that was just a great way to, to finish off the season. Yeah, that was fantastic. I 
I did not think that's where you're going with that, but that is uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, I didn't think you would start uh, or, or would go with 2008, but that's that's actually a fantastic choice. Um, that was just a fun season. Yeah, um, and I don't know if it was that season. It probably wasn't, but there's a lot of fun tailgate moments too. Probably, well, there's been a lot of memorable tailgate moments. Um, the aforementioned cousin going down the street um, on a make and crashing into the grass. Um, down. Um, that was actually not even the one I was going to bring up. It just kind of came to mind. At one point in time, we were scared for our cousin that he might actually go all the way down to Melrose Avenue from our tailgate spot at the time. And we saw our like, uh, we, we envisioned a car driving by and splatting our, our cousin, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, but actually, the one I was going to bring up was the infamous hot dog toss, which was a, a tailgate staple for a few years. And so we would bring a a hot dog bun and there would be a huge contest as to who could throw the hot dog bun the furthest and so you know many glorious prizes awaited the winner of the of the hot dog uh, bun toss and led into controversy because heaven forbid a hot dog bun from the hot dog contest from thrown from about 30 feet away landed on the hood of a car of somebody and they took umbrage with that and so one of our other friends, one of uh, Doug, the, what are we calling him, Carcinian or whatever we're calling him? Works. Yep. His friends uh, went over and uh, put the guy who was really upset in a headlock, and he just basically kept the guy in a headlock until I ran around the fence about 30 feet away to, to get him out. So, And but, for anybody listening, wondering what the heck we're talking about, just mix in a full day of drinking, uh, and then you would lead into that. It, it might make a little bit more sense on why, A, it was funny, and B, why it happened in the first place. Absolutely. All right. So, um, uh, yeah, we could keep going on and on, but, uh, how, how do you feel you came about being a Hawkeye fan? So that's going to be a, a different story because I, after, uh, as you know, well, no, I grew up an Iowa state fan and continue to be an Iowa state basketball fan, much to the chagrin of, of you and my older brother, but Still, uh, I'm one of those really odd people who uh, cheers for Iowa in football and, and Iowa State in basketball. But I was still an Iowa State fan, even after our older brother Doug went to Iowa. And in fact, I could remember sitting in the stands in the, the Hawkeye family section. And with my Iowa State stuff on, when Iowa and Iowa State were playing, and Doug was not playing yet at that point in time and, and cheering for Iowa State. And now I look back and think, wow, what a jackass I was to, to do that. But my dad let me get by with it. Uh, I started playing. Obviously, you can't cheer against your older brother. So I turned to a Hawkeye fan really quickly after that. And then that was further cement when you went there. So, yeah, I was a, a late turn to the, the Hawkeye conversion. But now, as you can see, whenever I'm referring to Hawkeye football, I, I refer to we as if I played there and as if I'm on the squad right now. Um, I don't remember you wearing the hockey, uh, Iowa State gear. Um, also, it was a different time, right? It was the late 80s. Uh, I feel like uh, things weren't as tense as they are now between Iowa and Iowa State fans. Um, 
And then, I mean, you were only a teenager too. So we'll give you a couple passes, but whew, you know, you're a brave man for admitting what you just did right there. Well, it's etched in history. It's there. It, I can't deny it. Um, thing is, I remember that game. It was Iowa won 10 to three. And that was in the midst of several beatings that Iowa gave Iowa State. There were a lot of like 48 to seven beatdowns in that era. And I just remember Iowa State actually hung close. And at the time, as an Iowa State fan, I was actually really thrilled with that. So, but I don't know how uh, I would have reacted as a parent, but mom and dad just kind of shook their head and let me do my thing. So, congrats to the, the Greek parents on that. All right. Um, what is the tricky one? I'm interested what you're going to say. What about, you know, national podcasters or, you know, color guys, whatever. What annoys you the most? And what, what's the most annoying trope about Iowa football? I think it's the, the fact that they look at Iowa and they look at Kirk Ferentz and they say, oh, there's Iowa. They're just going to win 78 games, seven to eight games every year. Whoop-de-doo, big deal. And I guess two things with that. Number one, not every team can do that each year is win seven to eight games. And it's almost like that consistency is frowned upon. And I, I understand it to a certain extent because, yeah, we're not as exciting as a team that wins three games one year and then 10 the next and then goes down to four the year after that. There's a lot more variance. But darn it, it's really hard to be that consistent and win at that consistent of a level. So I feel like that is not given the respect that it deserves to be that consistent of a program over such a long period. And then the other thing is like, I feel like that has been so ingrained in the minds of like the national writers that they don't even stop to see, Hey, look what I was done over the past five years um, prior to the, the COVID year, which obviously screwed up all the records, but prior to that year, I believe Iowa was number nine in the day and the total number of victories over the previous five years. And, you know, the teams that they're behind are obviously the, the really big boys. So I think if you put that number out in front of like the average college football fan and said, you know, going into the 2020 season, here are the programs that are top 10 in the nation in number of wins and in the power five. I think there'd be a lot of fans that would be surprised how high Iowa ranks in that. And I think they'd be surprised just because the national bias is just whatever Iowa wins seven or eight games here. Yeah, you nailed it. And then obviously if you do, uh, I think that, I think we're ninth for just power five. Um, uh, I mean, either way, it's still high ranked. Another one that just kind of is along the same lines I don't know if you ever noticed this, but if you watch like a, you know, Big Ten Classic or ESPN Classic, and if you catch the beginning part where they show the announcers, you know, kind of walking through the teams, they say, you know, it's if it's like Iowa Penn State, well, in comes Iowa, you know, they have, uh, you know, not as much talent as the team across the field for them. And then they show the starting lineups once the game starts. And it's like NFL guy, NFL guy, eight year NFL all pro. And, you know, it's like, maybe they should take a little bit more time concentrating on the development as opposed to the recruiting stars. But I don't know. That's always something I look for when I look for, when I watch, uh, you know, the old football games. Yeah, that's so true. And the, the one game that I, I really think back of, like when you mentioned that 
is a Capital One Bowl bowl game versus LSU. I think it was in 2005, the, the Tate to Holloway game. That defense was just insane, the number of players that they had that played in the NFL. And, you know, and then you look on the offensive side of the ball for LSU, while very talented, they, you know, there's a reason why the Iowa defense could stack up with them and why they, they ended up winning the game. And yes, they won it on a Hail Mary pass. Well, people forget about that game as Iowa was ahead at the end of the first quarter, second quarter, and third quarter. And why were they in the game? Because they had talented football players. They were. Yep. It's a good point. Just that's probably, that might be one of the best examples uh, that you can put out there for what I just said. So, all right, man, it's all good stuff. All right. Let's get into the 2021 season. Uh, what excites you the most for the upcoming squad? The back seven on defense. Um, as we all know, Phil Parker has had a ton of top 20 defenses at Iowa and I'm, you know me, and you know I'm not not really uh, prone to hyperbole, but I really do think that this back seven might be the best back seven that I was ever saying something with the Iowa football program over the last 20 to 25 years. And it's not just that they've got depth, which they do, that you feel like even if they, they can sustain a certain amount of injuries, or you know, they can't sustain a huge injury bug, especially if it hits one position harder than the others. But the depth is there, the depth, I'm sorry, is there, but also the quality of talent in terms of we've got some absolute difference makers there. You look at somebody like Jack Campbell, who I think is an NFL player in the waiting. Um, you've got Dane Belton, who is um, another guy at the cash position, who's really a great uh, um, difference maker there. Uh, Riley Moss, a kid who is a three-year starter at, at cornerback. Um, he just makes plays left and right. And then you got like new guys like Justin, Justin Jacobs, who have just got talent oozing everywhere. And a guy like that might not even see the field a ton, yes, depending on what defensive formation the Hawks are in. He might not even be on the field a ton. But yeah, I just feel that there is a lot of talent there. And that's, that's exciting. Yeah, bingo. Um... Uh, maybe the most, uh, I don't know if disrespect is the right word, but a, a name that people are going to learn about as the season goes on is, is Jack Campbell. Um, I think the Iowa coaches and the Iowa fans know how good that dude is, but I'm reading through a lot of magazines. He doesn't make any of the Big Ten top, you know, first, second, or third team. He doesn't make any of the rankings. If he stays healthy, he's going to be a monster. Very excited to watch that dude ball out. Yes. I mean, he's six foot five and two forty-five, I think. And then he can absolutely move. He's got agility. He doesn't just have straight line speed. He also has got side to side agility. And yeah, I mean, that guy just makes plays. So everybody who's a Hawkeye fan is excited to watch him play this fall. Give me one or two good stuff on the offense before we switch to the, the not so good stuff for the team. Good stuff on the offense is I feel like Tyler Goodson is maybe the best running back that Iowa's had. People are going to listen to this podcast and think, well, he just is uh, full of hyperbole all the time. But I really do feel like he is one of the best running backs that we've had, maybe even going back to as far back as Ronnie Harmon. Now that's going way, way back. 
Um, now, Sean Green had a better year than I think he'll have um, uh, this year forward. But when you talk about a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, is elusive, um, has got the top end speed that's a lot better than most Iowa running backs, that's a lot of talent there, and that's that's exciting. Um, and then our tight ends, you always feel like with Sam Laporta, um, just a, a real quality tight end there. We've got some younger tight ends that are in the system. Um, receivers as well. I feel like we're, we're pretty well set at the skill positions offensively. Yeah, I've been uh, talking Tyrone Tracy Jr. up in DMs and a little bit on Twitter. Um, that's another name uh, on the defensive side. You know, we went through the quiet person there, the quiet one on offense, I think, is Tyrone Tracy Jr. Tyler Goodson deserves all the accolades he can get. I just wonder if Tyrone Tracy winds up making more of the bigger plays on off. At least I hope that that because that means the passing game's doing better, but we'll see. That could be, yeah. I mean, the play that I think of with Tyrone Tracy is back at Northwestern a couple of years ago when he caught the ball over the middle. It made a guy miss, and I think maybe a guy bounced off of him and he jetted to the sideline and, and took it to the house. So those are plays like that that he can make that we have not, at Iowa, we have had a ton of receivers that can make plays like that. Well, that'll get us to the next question, which is uh, what about the 2021 team are you a little concerned about? Well, I'll, uh, I'll ask you a question in return. What do you think are two most important position groups on a football team? I would say quarterback and defensive line. Bingo, bingo, bingo. And that's right where I was going. So Spencer Petrus ended the year really strong. Um, five picks and I'm sorry, five touchdowns and no picks in his last two games. But if you ask any Hawkeye fan, if they are totally believing in Spencer, Spencer Petrus, you'd probably get a, well, we'll wait and see. So there's just kind of an uneasiness about him. He's got a lot of reasons as to why he would have struggled last year. I mean, and they're legitimate reasons too. If you don't get a spring game, um, you don't get preseason practice. And he did seem to get a little bit better as the year went on. So but still not a, a high degree of confidence in him. I think a lot of Hawkeye fans are just taking the, the wait and see approach with him. And then the other thing is uh, like you'd already mentioned is the defensive line. Now they might have some dudes on that line uh, that I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his name correctly, but that Y.A. black, um, he might be a, end up being just a real difference maker, but we haven't seen it. And that's the biggest thing is that it's not proven talent. Um, Falkenberg is, uh, I think he's a difference maker at DN. But other than that, it's hard to tell if, if we've got guys who are just guys that can just like kind of fill roles. Um, and if that's all you have, that's fine. But you're probably not going to be like where you want to be as a football program or have a season that you want if you've got guys who can just kind of plug holes. You need guys who can be a difference maker. And like I said, I'm not saying we don't have those guys. I'm just saying we haven't seen it yet. So, you know, those are the two things. Like if the season does get a little bit off track, I don't expect that it will. But if it does get off track, you know, I, I think we'll look back and say quarterback and maybe defensive line were, were the two reasons as to the why the season didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to obviously disagree with anything there. Um, but one thing I would say about Petrus is he's gotten dragged so much. I feel like it's almost getting to the point where 
it's too much. Like, uh, so maybe that's something that motivates him and, and the, the expectations are set so low that he actually exceeds them. Um, and as far as the D line, I just have a hard time believing with those linebackers and, you know, with Phil Parker coordinating, I, I think we'll be fine versus the run. I'm more just specifically concerned on pass rush. So is it a situation where we get teams in, you know, third and six plus a lot, and we just can't get them off the field, you know, because of the lack of pass rush. I, I feel like specifically that's what scares me the most. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I guess that's, I didn't allude to that specifically, but that was more what I was talking about is the pass rush, like, like you were saying, but you know, I just come back to on the defense for Iowa. I just got, as Iowa fans, we all have such a Parker that ends up somehow, some way, but better on the field. Like I remember you and I talked lost some really good guys on the defensive line. I said, Hey, we got to be realistic about this. We're going to take a step back. Actually, I take that back. That was prior to the 2019 season. I said, we're going to take a step back. And we actually ended up getting better after that. And it's just kind of like in Phil Parker, we trust. So at the end of the day, I do expect that we'll have a, a really good defense, but, but Let's just hope the defensive line can come up with the big plays when we. All right. Talk through offense, talk through defense. Um, hey, by the way, special teams are going to be good too, right? Uh, um, I, I feel really good about our punter. I feel really good about our punt returner. And I think our kicker probably would have started the last two or three years, our backup kicker, who will be our starter. He probably would have started for most teams in the country. He's going to get a chance to shine too. For sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I I kind of forgot about special teams there, but um, any Kirk Ferentz coach team is going to have playing a lot of close games. And obviously the special teams are going to have a huge impact on that. So um, yes, that, that's a definitely a feather in the cap for the Iowa football team this season. All right. Yeah. LeVar Woods, he's our special teams coach. He's pretty good. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but uh, all right. So now we got offense, we got defense, we got special teams. You don't have to be too specific. I'm not putting the screws to anybody too much, but what's, what's your prediction? So I just, I look at this team and I feel like they are they're going to be consistent with what we've seen in the past five years. You know, last year Iowa was a six and two team. So if they got to play a full season, that would, you know, figure out to a nine and three season. And that's about what they've done in the past five years, a, a few years, actually a little bit better than that. So I'm going into it thinking that they can be a nine win team this year. You know, maybe that includes the bowl game. Maybe it doesn't, but I think at the end of the year, we can look at a, I'm hoping that we can look at a nine win team. I think that's realistic. I certainly don't expect it. Um, I would expect especially if you consider the bowl game, I would expect eight wins. Um, but nine wins, I think, is, is certainly doable with this team. Don't ask me to look at the schedule and, and select which teams we're going to beat and which teams we're not at this point in time. I, I'm not going to say that yet. But And I guess one thing I, I forgot to mention, we were talking about the things that concern us. We know that we are traditionally a slow starting team. And coming out of the gates right away with Indiana and Iowa State, two teams that are pretty darn good, how well is that going to mesh with the, the Iowa um, philosophy of we, we generally just kind of ramp up as, a, as the season goes along? 
you know, if Iowa can come out of those two first game, those first two games with a one and one record, um, I would be happy with that. Of course, if you lose either one of those games, you're going to be really <laughs> mad about it. But looking at it from like the, the 40,000 foot view above, going one and one would actually be pretty darn good to start this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, those are two tough teams, but I, I just want to make sure I'm hearing this right. So the cap for you would essentially be an eight and four regular season with the ninth win coming in the bowl. I wouldn't say that would be a cap. I would say actually the opposite of that. I'll, I'll look at it this way. If they only win seven games, I would be disappointed with that. So I would expect them to win eight games, especially if you consider the bowl in there. Um, that would be kind of like a minimum for me. Nine is a kind of like if I was putting money in Vegas, I would put money on nine wins. But you never know if things break right, if they get on a roll, if they stay healthy. You know, I, I think a 10-win season is is a possibility. I, I certainly don't expect that, but it's a possibility. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, that's pretty close to where I'm at. I got to wait till I dig through the other teams a little bit more. But, yeah, I would think you're on par with most Iowa fans. All right, bro. You did a good job. Uh, went a couple places I didn't think you'd go, but overall, fantastic. Oh, but Jeff, the interview's not over because, but now I'm going to turn the tables on you and I've got five questions for you. Deep, <laughs> thought provoking questions. Oh, First boy. This is, this is unscripted. Unscripted. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> what do you got? Question. Of all the podcasts that you and Big Kurt have done, what is your favorite one? Do you have a personal favorite that you like to, to look back on? That's awesome. Um, uh, my, I have two. The personal favorite is the very first podcast we did uh, where we ranked the uniforms where it's awful. It's by far the worst podcast that we did, but we were drunk. And by gosh, we hit record and got it out there. So it, it, it's got a nostalgia feel to it. Um, I would say either one of this year or last year, I absolutely loved do, doing the coaches ranking pod um, and then bringing on our guy, DS, Dustin Shooty. I don't know. Those, those are just fun to do and they get a lot of reaction on, on Twitter. So uh, you talked about being uh, kind of in the bag on that first podcast. I was kind of half thinking, depending on the the timing of this podcast, maybe it would be a little bit better if I was a little bit in the bag. And so I kind of keep, uh, brought up a theory, but I'm not a podcast veteran like you are. But my theory is this. You know how if you're playing pool or darts, like you've got a right level of drunk to be at, and you're going to do awesome on that podcast. Kind of the same thing for podcasting. Am I on the right path there? Bingo. You absolutely nailed it. All right. So we are going to go to the second question. If you and I would sit down and watch all eight hours of Lonesome Dove, how many of the lines would we know together? What percentage of lines would I, before those lines are uttered on screen, how many of them could we get correct? The iconic lines, 
95%. We would hit 95% on the iconic lines. Um, it like the actual lines of it would, you know, would obviously be lower, but the most memorable scenes, the most memorable lines, we, we, we would crush it. Um, the funny thing is that I'm trying to figure out a time for Mrs. Greek and my podcast partner, Kurt, we're, we want, I want to, they've never seen it, neither one of them. So I want to sit down and watch it with them. And dude, I don't think I've watched Lonesome Dove start to finish in like 10 years. I mean, it's been a long time. For sure. Yeah. It's probably been at least that long for me too, but yeah, I can still remember all of those lines. Like you said, that the really iconic scenes like the back of and maybe part of the reason why we can uh, recite those iconic, iconic scenes as much as we can is because we reenacted some of them after the bars closed in Iowa city a couple of times. So I- put it into the memory. No, I don't know anything of the dang can. I mean, we could go on and on. I, by the way, I, I think the only people that knew what lines were getting recited in Iowa City at bar close was the two people that are currently talking on this podcast. I doubt anybody knew what we were talking about. Well, we thought we were very funny, and that's really the only two people that we were concerned with at that point in time. So, all right, on to the third hard-hitting probing question. Which former Iowa fullback has the larger, harder cranium, Alcuyava or Henry Polio? <laughs> oh my God, I never really thought about that. Both the Carthaginian and I played with, both played with fullbacks with limited speed, but heads as the size of a five-gallon bucket filled with cement. Um. I have got to go with my guy, Henry Polio. Um, you know, I, I have to, no, no offense to Cooge, but I saw a collision in practice one day between Hen and Vernon Rollins. Iowa fans will definitely remember Vernon Rollins. It sounded like two trucks hitting head to head. I'll never forget it. I don't think I've ever seen two helmets make a larger, larger, you know, more dense noise than that. So I, I got to go with Hen. I would expect you to do that. Just like if we asked Doug, he would probably go with Cooge, which that's that. I can tell you this. If I see either one of them running at me full speed, I am going into the fetal position and I am not going to um, take on that, that helmet at all. So absolutely. All right. Um, Number four question. When you and Kurt were doing your review of fruit, how can you possibly defend your decision to leave off the best fruit, which is clearly the pear? Oh gosh, really? Oh man. Um, I mean, I, I, I ain't got nothing against pears. I enjoy a good pear. They're mushy 80% of the time. And then like the, the, uh, the too hard to mushy. It's like a banana. You got like, you got like 48 hours in the middle I just don't feel like I, I time it out right enough. That's fair. I can see your point about the timing of it. You do need to introduce the refrigerator when it gets to the right level of softness, because that'll give you an extra 24 to 48 hours. But I, I can see where you're coming from. But I think you, I'm sorry to say, but I think you might be a bit pair ignorant. <laughs> okay. So, you know, 
when we had our deep fruit discussion, you couldn't just talk about the taste. Like it's, it's gotta be the full range, you know, what that fruit brings to the table. So let's just assume something right now. Let's assume that a pear, a watermelon, a strawberry, and uh, we'll just do, we'll do those three. They're all perfectly ripe, right? When you grab them, you're going pear number one. Without question. Oh my With, God, that's, I will eat the pear three times before I'd eat the watermelon or the strawberry once. I thought I was embarrassed to be your brother when you were talking about wearing the Iowa State clothes to Doug's first game. I you you have somehow usurped that, my friend. I don't even know, I don't even know what to think right now. I'm I'm sorry, bro. I'm just chopping or uh, chalking it up to your pear ignorance, and I, I think you also might be a rabid anti dentite. So those are I threw that in for big hurt, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So fifth and final question. If you were to play in a major college football game today at your current age, and you are playing, we'll just say you're playing linebacker. How many plays do you last before you tap out? All right, I'm going to take this as actual as, as I can. If I'm playing outside linebacker, my guess is I could get, on average through two plays without getting into the scrum by the third play, I would, I would get hit. That would be it. I, I, I would be done. I would set the over under at three because one solid hit would reverberate through my body so hard that I, I would be done for the rest of my life. Yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing, or maybe just like experience comes in. And you just like tap out before you even start like the ball snap. You just run in the opposite direction and just say like, I'm out because I'm old and I know my limitations now. And damn it. I don't even care at this point in time. You can make fun of me all you want, but I'm going to be. Let's, let's just say at linebacker, it would not take a lead blocker as, as thick as Henry or Cooge. It, it could be more of a receiving fullback I would be avoiding him like the black plague maybe trying to go around him to trip up the ball carrier uh, but even then I, I my lack my total lack of quickness that has diminished over the last 20 years would would show up like that <laughs> that's that's a good question for sure yeah I was talking to uh one of our uh, common friends and he, we were talking about a guy that, that we know that played basically semi-pro football up in northwest Iowa and he played into his 40s. Now, he's not playing, obviously, at Big Ten level, far from it. But the thought of doing that just makes me want to whimper and cry. Like, I would not do that at all. Well, like, I think it, I don't know, it was probably me or you or Doug or who, like, I can't remember what something was happening where I was chasing one of the boys around and I just took a shot. Like, I kind of fell and caught myself. And you have a, you have a very frightening two to four seconds where you're like, Am I gonna? Am I gonna? Am I gonna stand back up and be able to move around fully? That's just from like a small spill on the yard. I can't. I can't imagine taking a hit from like a two hundred and sixty pound person right now. I. I. I might turn into dust. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's to be avoided at all times. I just find it ironic that you know we're such huge football fans. We would you know just love our fall Saturdays. But yet, if you put us out on the field right now, it would be nothing but calamity. And, and it would not be, it would be in short order. Well, 
I mean, I, I got at, somebody figured out I played football in Iowa in my sales career. And I think I was 28, 29, somewhere around there. And they tried to recruit me to play one of those semi-pro leagues. And I went to one game and I'm like, nope, can't. <laughs> I, I was, I, I'll, I'll just admit it. I was scared to play. I, I was scared to go out there and, and, and figure out what was going to happen. And even like to that point a little bit further, I haven't played basketball in probably years like i'm not getting on a basketball court to play like i'm sure as heck not gonna play football oh man that's fantastic uh there you go uh the the first person to to ask the podcaster the question i'm very i'm very impressed unless you get unless you got another one are we are we good or yeah we're good but can i i plug my twitter account <laughs> yes yes please do i don't have a twitter account i just remembered that but you know a Twitter account I would like to plug? Super 70 Sports. He's Man. an absolutely love that guy. It's my little thing, my little present to myself each night. I just get onto the Super I'm not even on Twitter. I just get onto his website, and I just scroll through the, the tweets that he put out that day. Mindless, harmless, vulgar fun. It's nothing but awesome um darren the american uh was always scholastically the smartest of the three brothers and he proves it again by not being on twitter uh doug the carthaginian is not on twitter personally he has to do it through through work so he's not exactly on twitter but yeah um mental health and not being on twitter is is something darren excels at and they're, they're probably intertwined <laughs> all right man that was fantastic um Glad that worked. Uh, I don't know what to say other than it was it was awesome having my brother on the podcast. That was fun, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That was great. All right. I'll see you this weekend, buddy. Later. All right.